Welcome to Pure Heart Church Podcast, Becoming Like Jesus. You're about to hear another inspirational message, and our prayer is that you are encouraged and one step closer to becoming like Jesus for the sake of others. Hey, what's going on, online campus? I'm so thankful to be here today with you, wherever we're watching. We're just so thankful that you're tuning in, becoming a part of our online family through Pure Heart. My name is Ryan Windauer. I'm our youth pastor here at Pure Heart Church. If you haven't had the opportunity to meet me, I just wanted to introduce myself to you and say thank you for tuning in. I'm honored to be able to bring the word today. Love my pastor, Pastor Dan, and how much he believes in me. I am a young youth pastor. I was recently married about two years ago. My wife's name is Erin. She leads a girlfriend's ministry here at Pure Heart, and she's amazing. We've been married two whole years, which means, quite honestly, I know everything that there is to know about marriage and life. I'm just kidding, but really, if it's taught me anything, it just shows me that I know less than I actually thought that I knew, and if you've been married, maybe you know what that feels like. We also have an amazing daughter. Her name is Waverly. She's about to turn one year old. She is amazing. We also have a son coming. His name is Wes. He's going to be born in September. We're so stoked to have him here, and we're living life in the fast lane. Been married for two years, almost have two kids. It's funny because our students tell us that we need to find a new hobby. But what I tell them is this, is that we're just being fruitful and multiplying. We're just being obedient and uh, we're building the church one way or another. But man, it's just such an honor to be able to preach to you and bring the word today. We are starting a brand new series called Into the Thick of It. And if you're young, maybe you've seen Into the Thick of It on TikTok. If you're old, maybe you can just relate with the saying of going into the thick of it. But really what this series is all about is about having faith. Now, I don't know where you're at in your journey. I don't know in this moment as you as you watch this video and as you hear these words, I don't know what you're walking through, but what I know is this is that God asks for us to have faith. And today what I want to do is I just want to teach simply out of a little block of scripture and it's found in John 9 verses 1 through 7. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can pull those out. We'll be in John chapter 9 today together. And I'm going to start reading, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to hop right into this and uh, just have some fun. So it says this, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, spread the mud all over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Today, I want to preach a message to you titled this, When Your Miracle is Messy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that today as you speak to us that our hearts would be open. I pray that right now in this moment, God, that you would get me out of the way and Holy Spirit, that you would speak to people through screens, that you would speak to people in powerful ways. We thank you for your presence that's tangible and we thank you for your goodness. And ultimately, God, we thank you that you are faithful, that we can put all of our trust and all of our faith in you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everyone typed in the chat, amen. Amen, amen, amen. I remember 
when we first found out that we were pregnant with Waverly, our daughter. We were so ecstatic. We had a five-year plan. We were going to be no kids for five years, be able to travel, do all these things. And just six months into being married, we found out that we were pregnant. And so God dropped this amazing gift into our laps. I remember Aaron found out that she was pregnant. About a week later, we went in for this special moment. We went in to her doctor to be able to do this thing called the ultrasound. Now, if you're a parent, you know the first moment of being able to see your child, it's supposed to be so special and everyone is excited for you and you haven't told a lot of people yet, but you're excited and you're nervous to see this baby for the first time. And I remember I went into this appointment with some high expectation. I was so stoked to see my first son or daughter. We didn't know what we were having yet. All we knew is that we were excited. I remember Erin is emotionally as we're, as we're going. She's talking about how amazing and how special this is. We're starting our family so young. I remember we get into the room. We meet Aaron's OB for the first time. And then they pull out this weird toothpaste looking gel. They spread it all over her tummy. And then they start putting the ultrasound thing on her, right? And they're looking for the baby and they're looking for the baby. And soon enough, they pull it up. And it's like the second that it goes up on the monitor, the doctor and Aaron have some weird female connection that I was obviously outside of. It was ridiculous. I remember they get the baby up there and she says, there it is. You can see the baby's heartbeat. And they're looking at the baby and they're emotional. They're like, look at the baby. It's so cute. And Aaron's like, oh my gosh, he's so small. It's so adorable. I'm so excited. I'm going to be a mom. Isn't she beautiful? And I remember they're having this whole moment and I'm looking at the screen and I am confused. I'm not going to lie. I am so confused. We're looking at this screen and I don't even know what it is. I have, I think there's a picture to show you guys. It looked something like this. Now I want you to picture this image and then I want you to imagine that two people are going crazy about what they're seeing and saying that this baby's so beautiful and Aaron's looking at me and saying, aren't you so proud? Isn't this amazing? And I remember looking at the screen and thinking to myself, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. In fact, I'm looking at this and it doesn't look like a baby. It looks like a blob. It doesn't make any sense. They're getting emotional. But I remember it was so crazy because even though I didn't see it, even though I didn't see the baby in that moment, didn't mean that something wasn't happening. Didn't mean that something wasn't working. See, because even when I couldn't see the baby, even when I couldn't see Waverly at that first appointment, and I felt like I was on the outside, God was still forming that baby in Aaron's womb. And just because we didn't see, I didn't see in that moment, didn't mean that something wasn't happening. And I love this moment in the Gospel of John because even though there's a man that cannot see does not mean that there's not something that is happening. It says this in John 9, 1, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. We have to stop right there. I love this moment because it says that as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man, which means that Jesus was on his way somewhere else to do something else. In fact, this day, this man was actually probably not Jesus's assignment. He didn't even realize that he was going to be running into this man, but it's says that he saw a man. While he was going somewhere else, he saw a man. I love this, that Jesus was never too busy to stop and to see someone. And I love that even in the moment in scripture where this man could not see Jesus, Jesus still saw him. I don't know where you're in your life right now. I don't know if you feel like you can't see God, 
Maybe you feel like you're in everyone's blind spot around you, that you're walking through so much and you don't even know how to talk to people about what you're walking through. You feel like people don't see you. You feel like your spouse doesn't fully see you. You feel like your friends don't see you, that your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance doesn't fully see you. I want to encourage you today with this simple truth. It's so simple yet so powerful that God sees you. God sees you. And I know that today you clicked into this video to get some deep revelation from the scriptures, but I need you to hear this before you hear anything else from this message, that God sees you. I need you to hear this, that even when you don't see God, even when you're walking through something that is blinding you, that you physically don't have vision for, that God still sees you. Then maybe you're watching this video and you're an atheist. You don't believe in God. You have doubts. You have fear. Maybe you have hurt from the church in the past. Can I encourage you that no matter what you're walking through, no matter where you've been, what you struggle with, what you feel like you have to hide from people, that God sees you. It's the most beautiful part of the gospel. It's the very news of the gospel that God sent his son. That In Romans 5, 8, it says this, that but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While you were, were still blind, God saw you. While I wasn't seeking God, God still sought after me. I need you to get that today, that God sees you wherever you're at. In financial trouble, in divorce, in addiction, in loneliness, in doubt, in your relapse, that God sees you. And even deeper than that, there's the promise of Emmanuel, which that God doesn't just see you, but he's with you. And I love this moment in scripture where a man who is blind and has been blind since birth physically can't see Jesus, can't see the answer to his problem, can't yet see the one who's going to bring a miracle to him. And yet the miracle working God still sees him. You have a God who loves you. You have a God who sees you. And this moment in scripture is so powerful, but I love the response that the disciples have and they ask this question. It says this in verse two, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? I love this because the disciples are asking this question of why. And I love that Jesus just sets the moment straight. And he says this in verse three, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered, this happened. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. I love this moment because I think a lot of us can relate to the disciples that we see something that's broken. We see something in this world that's falling apart. Maybe you're looking at your life and you're seeing the situation, the thing that you're walking through, the business idea that's falling through, the work problems that you're having, the strife that's happening in your marriage, the problems that you're having with your kids. And maybe you're asking yourself this question, why is this happening? Why is this happening? I think a lot of times we do what the disciples did and we ask the question why and we try to come up with an answer that isn't actually even biblical. And the, the moment this, the disciples are saying, does this happen because he sinned or his parents sinned? They're trying to come up with a reason for the brokenness. And I think that when we walk through hard things in life, we ask this question. Seriously, think to yourself this question. Have you ever asked this question to yourself? Why would God allow this to happen? Like, why would God do this? Why would this happen to me? Why does God allow good things or bad things to happen to good people? A lot of us struggle with this thought and a lot of us struggle in our faith and have serious doubt because of this very thought. But I wanna to submit to you what Jesus said thousands of years ago to the disciples about this blind man, that this happened 
so that the power of God could be revealed. I would say it this way, that God didn't cause it, but he will use it. God didn't cause that bad thing to happen to your family, but he will use it. God didn't cause that blindness in that man thousands of years ago, but really it was a part of God's plan so that he could use it to reveal his power. No matter what you're walking through in this life, I want you to stop asking the question why and just know this, that God didn't cause it, but he'll use it. Whatever brokenness you're walking through, whatever hard thing you're trying to grapple with right now, God didn't cause it. God's not punishing you. Maybe for a while you've thought that God is a father who's in heaven just waiting for you to make a mistake and is trying to punish you. It's not a punishment. What if your problem was actually a platform that God was trying to use in your life? Maybe it's not even just about the problem. Maybe the problem is that you won't let God use your problem. I know there's been so many moments in my life or haven't been willing to look at the problem and say, God, what are you actually trying to do in this? Rather than be a victim and say, God, why me? Why would you allow me to walk through this? Why would you allow this to happen to me? It's so important to know this, that God didn't cause it, but he'll use it. Don't rob God of what he wants to do through you, through the problems that you're facing in this life. And in this moment, neither the disciples or this man know why he's blind. But I love that Jesus pointed the question away from why, and onto the idea of what can God do in this. And I think it's a challenge for every single one of us to do this, to stop saying, why me? And to start asking, what can God do in this? I wanna submit a thought to you that what if every single problem that you walked through was so that God's power that could actually be revealed? What if what you were walking through wasn't for no reason? What if what you were walking through wasn't because God is punishing you? What if God actually wanted to use you as a light? And I think that every single problem that that happens in this world, it's due to a brokenness that's in our world. What if rather than looking at your problem as a problem, what if you started looking at as a platform and saying, God, I know that you are all powerful. I know that you have, you know, the ability to create the moon and you have the ability to create the ocean. If God can do all of that, imagine what God could do in your life. What if you allowed God to start using your problems as platforms? It's a challenge that I've recently been walking through in in this season of my life, and I've just decided that God, every, every problem that I face, every situation that I walk into, God, you just got a brand new platform. When things aren't going how you thought they would go at work, God, you just got a brand new platform. When you didn't get that pay raise, that you deserved and someone else on your team did. God, you just got a brand new platform. When you're walking through loss, God, you just got a brand new platform. In the relapse, in the addiction, God, you just got a brand new platform. And whatever you're walking through, whatever the problem might be, no matter how big, no matter how heavy it feels, God, you just got a brand new platform platform. I love that Jesus sets it straight and stops asking the question of why and says, what would God want to do in this? And the moment continues in John 9, 6, and it says that Jesus does this completely ridiculous thing. It says, then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Now, I don't know if we have the same Bible, but this is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the all-powerful God in human flesh. He could do anything. I mean, he could speak a word. He could touch the man. He could pray. He could think a thought. And immediately, this man would be healed. 
Now, why would it be that Jesus, the Son of God, why would it be that this Jesus would choose to do something so gross and so messy? It's fascinating. God takes dirt. And I actually want to show you today what this actually would have looked like. Now, this is Jesus, the Son of God. He could have done anything. He could have touched the man, prayed for the man, thought a thought, and healed him. And yet, it says that he decided to make mud with saliva. Now, I want to remind you, this man in the scriptures, this man in the Gospel of John, he was blind, not deaf, which means that he could hear everything in this moment that was going on. And I can imagine he's thinking to himself, is that Jesus? I think I hear Jesus. Maybe today is the day that I get healed. Maybe today, after all these years, it's the first time that I'll have vision, the first time that I'll see. And I can imagine that he hears this. And I've got some sand with me today to help demonstrate fully what this would have looked like. And I can imagine he's sitting there blind and he just hears. Nasty. Jesus spits into the dirt and makes mud. He uses something that looks so insignificant, something that doesn't matter at all. And I think that this is such a picture, honestly, of sometimes what our miracles have to look like, because sometimes our miracles actually have to be messy. The problem is that some of us would rather it be clean and it be easy and convenient for us than us actually be healed or us actually be touched by God. There's a lot of us that want our miracle but we don't want the method. And the truth is today that there is a method to your miracle. So I wanna ask you the question today, what if it's messy? What if it's messy? Because the truth is, there's a lot of people in the Bible who are in need of a miracle, and there is a God who always responded with instructions. Miracles, not instructions. God, I need a miracle. I need you to do this. I need you to heal my finances. I need you to do this in my relationship. And then God says, okay, do this. No, I don't wanna do that. I don't want to do this. And it's crazy because God is a God who gives instruction. Rarely does he just respond with a miracle. He says, if you do this, then I will heal you. Then I will touch you. And a lot of us are praying and asking God for miracles, but we're not submitting to the method that he's asking for us. And, and thousands of years ago, this man was blind and the method for his healing was going to be found in mud. It's the whole point of the message today that sometimes your miracle is messy. What if the breakthrough that you are looking for isn't going to be found in a single moment of God touching your life and fixing everything? What if it's going to require you to be more vulnerable than you've ever been? What if it actually requires you to go and actually apologize to them for the first time? What if it takes you getting open with your spouse about what you're really walking through? What if it requires you to end that relationship because you know that it's toxic and yet you've been holding on for so long? What if it requires you to delete Facebook or social media for a little while? What if it requires you this year maybe to go to counseling? See, this blind man didn't have anything to lose, but he had everything to gain. And it's a beautiful picture of God's miracle that this man submitted, submitted to the method that God, whatever it takes, Jesus, if it's mud, and no matter how messy it is, God, I just want a miracle. Don't let the method keep you from your miracle. And truthfully today, I feel like I'd be doing a disservice to the true part of this story if we didn't physically act this out. So I've got an amazing friend with me. His name is Josh Steffen. Josh, make your way up here, man. Make your way up here. This is Josh Steffen. We got Dan Sun here with us today. And uh, today, you're our blind man. Are you ready? Yeah. You feel confident. You feel good. Yeah. Now, are you ready? Yeah. Because it's going to be gross. It's not going to be the best thing ever. <laughs> okay, here we go. 
So the story says that Jesus didn't just spit into the mud and make mud out of dirt and saliva. It says that he physically put it on the blind man's eyes. So what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you close your eyes. And he's about to find some healing. Y'all ready for this? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It says that Jesus smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Okay, wait. So we'll let me start close them first. Hold on. <laughs> ready? Close your eyes. So it says that Jesus took the mud and put it on the man's eyes. So I'm just going to right there. Just lean back a little bit. There you go. Right? You think that's good? I'm just kidding. Okay, there we go. There we go. There we go. It says that Jesus put the mud on this man's eyes. But the, the miracle doesn't stop there. It says that Jesus told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And I think that quite honestly, many of us that are watching online right now know what this feels like. Not literally my spit with mud on your eyes, but maybe you're walking through a miracle right now that feels messy. That you felt like, God, you could have just touched it. You could have just said a word. It could have all gotten better. You could have healed me in a moment. And yet, God, I'm walking through this. And this season feels messy. And I don't feel like I have what it takes. I don't feel like I have the answers that I need. And yet the Bible is full of people who need miracles and a God who responds with instruction. And that day, the blind man had the instructions of go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means sent. So he sends the man away. So Josh, you can make your way that way. Y'all make some noise for Josh. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Good work. It's crazy because Jesus commands this blind person to walk with mud in his eyes. Essentially what he's saying is, do it even though you're scared. Do it even though everyone's going to see it. Do it even though everyone can see right now that your miracle is messy. And I believe that there's some of us today that God is commanding the same thing for us, to go that God is sending you to the place that you need to find healing. Maybe for you, it's that you need faith. Maybe for you, it's that you need better financial stewardship. Maybe for you, it's that you need forgiveness in some relationships. Maybe you need to let go of bitterness. I don't know what pool God is asking you to go, but what I do know is this, is that God is sending you. And a lot of us need to walk with mud in our eyes. That even though right now the miracle feels messy, even though we haven't found the breakthrough that we want, even though we haven't fully found healing, that God is still saying go. And a lot of us want to stay, but yet God is saying go. Go to the place that I'm sending you. You'll find healing there. And I just want to be vulnerable and real that my wife and I, we've been walking through a season where it feels like God has been telling us, walk with mud in your eyes. We've been walking through this, this messy miracle like we're calling it. And I remember it was in April, and my wife and I, we were leaving um, the, the gender reveal that we had just done for our son. We were so excited. We're headed out uh, of downtown Phoenix. We're heading back up to our home in Glendale. I remember we're going through a green light, and someone turns into the middle of the intersection and actually hits us, T-bones us. Craziest moment, craziest wreck. Our Praise God, everyone was safe. Everyone was healthy. Our daughter was fine. She actually slept through the entire wreck. But something bad happened. About three weeks after the wreck, my wife started having some serious you know, pregnancy complications. And it was a hard thing to walk through because it happened on a Sunday night. And I remember vividly, we were here on campus 
and I was, we were, we were talking about anxiety. We were walking through a mental health series with some of our students. And I remember at the end, I felt like God was putting on my heart that there were students in the room that were trying to keep control of things that they couldn't control. And part of letting go of that and being less anxious was giving God fully all the things that we can't control in life. And it's an interesting thing in life when God tries to teach you the very thing that you always preach. And uh, I remember I walked into this moment, it was a Sunday night, talked about that. We're walking out to our vehicle and my wife Erin started having some pretty serious pregnancy complications. We're emotional, shaky. I remember we call the nurse hotline. We're saying, hey, what are we supposed to do? This is happening. You know, she's about 15 weeks pregnant. We're not really sure what we're supposed to do. So we end up rushing to the ER. Um, praise God, our intern takes Waverly home. I remember we get to the ER. We sit in the ER for about an hour. There's still complications happening. And I remember in the moment, I'm thinking to myself, why? Like, God, why would you allow this to happen? Why is this happening? And it felt like I was almost mourning the loss of our child before we even knew what was actually happening. I remember I was so full of fear. I was so anxious. I was so afraid of what was going to happen. And I remember that in that time that God was stretching our faith. We sat in the, in, in the, in the emergency room till about four in the morning. And we went home with a, with a sheet of paper that essentially said, consider eptopic or miscarriage. And neither of those words are things that you want to hear when your wife is 15 weeks pregnant. We go home, all the complications are still happening. We went home without answers. We went home without peace. We went home, we barely slept the rest of the morning. I remember we woke up, we tried to schedule an appointment with her OB. And I remember we finally got into the office and essentially she told us that Aaron had this thing called a subchorionic hematoma. And essentially what it was, is it was a large blood clot that was found just outside of the placenta. And I remember the doctor began to tell us that, you know, the baby is safe, the baby is healthy, and we were so excited, we were so thankful that West was, was healthy, he was okay, everything was fine. But I remember there was still this fear of, this, of, of our doctor telling us, we don't know what will happen. You could go into early, early labor, there could be other complications, this blood clot could cause another bleeding instance, I remember we were so full of fear. I remember we were so afraid because we didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember about a week after, I was just so stuck in my head. I was walking through this thing and maybe you've walked through something in your life where you just have zero control. And that's such a helpless feeling. And I remember in all of my quiet times that God was bringing me back to this verse that I hear a lot of people preach on, but I'd never fully lived out in myself. And it's in Hebrews eleven six, And it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I remember that week in that alone time sitting down with God and God telling me, I'm asking you to have a deeper level of faith. And faith is just this, it's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I remember wrestling with God and just saying, God, I don't feel like I have hope. I'm thinking of all the worst case scenarios. I'm thinking about what if we had this beautiful baby name? We we're finally going to have our boy. We were so excited about what if all these things. And I remember I was so full of anxiety and God was saying, I want you to have faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. I remember there was a couple weeks I was wrestling with God and God was saying, do you want to please me? Do you want to please me? And that was my heart. God, I want to please you. I just want to have peace. I want to please you. I want to honor you. I want to be obedient. And just like in this story, God was sending me to the pool of faith. He was saying to find full healing in this moment. 
to actually have all of your trust in me. Ryan, I'm sending you to a pool called faith. I'm asking you to have more faith. And it's been crazy over the last couple months that Aaron hasn't had any more complications, that God has been so faithful, that God has been so good. But I can even look back and say, if the story went the other way, that God would still be faithful, that God would still be good. And maybe you're listening and maybe you, you're, you're listening to this message and watching this and you're thinking to yourself, I'm in a messy miracle, but there's been so many moments of my life that God hasn't come through. Can I tell you that God still sees you, that God didn't cause it, but he'll use it, that God is still there, that in the middle of your messiest moment, in the middle of the darkest moment where you can't see any way out, that God is still there. What, what pool is God sending you to? Where is God calling you to walk with mud in your eyes? And I'm going to be honest, we're still on this journey. And that's why I call it a messy miracle because the miracle is not complete. Aaron and I are still on our way to the pool. We're still waiting to make sure that everything's going to be okay with this baby. And, and, and it's just a crazy thing. But God has been asking us to have faith. The end of this story, so profound. It says, so the man went. Where did he go? He went to the place that God was sending him. He went to the pool of Siloam. And he washed, he listened to the method, he submitted to the method, and he found his miracle. It says, and he came back seeing. I, lo I love those last three words because it says he came back seeing. I want you to picture this, that this man had been blind his whole life. He had never seen before. And it says he came back seeing. After he washed, he had to have turned around to come back. And I can imagine that as he turned around to come back, the first person that he saw was Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who'd been promised for thousands of years. He saw his Savior. And I just believe this, and I feel this so deep in my spirit, that when you go to where God is sending you, you will always see God. So even in loss, even in the darkest moments of your life, if you will just go to the places where God is sending you, if you will just be obedient, if you will just have faith to go into the thick of it, to go into the moments in life that don't make sense, to go into the relationships where there's bitterness and there needs to be forgiveness, to go into your marriage where there needs to be healing and say, God, I don't know what it looks like. All I know is I'm willing to go into the thick of it because even though I don't see it right now, I know that you're working. I know that you're moving. This man went and washed and he came back seeing. And today, God wants to give you sight. Maybe you're watching this, and I believe you're not watching this video by chance. Maybe you're listening in, and I don't know how familiar you are with church or how you've been around or if you consider yourself a quote-unquote religious person, but I believe that today God wanted to slow you down long enough to remind you that he is a God who loves you, a God who sees you, a God who's not trying to punish you, and maybe your whole life you thought that God was just trying to punish you that you were blind because you made a mistake, that you were in this situation because God is punishing you. No, God sees you. God loves you. And the truth is that anything outside of relationship with God leads to blindness, leads to brokenness. Maybe today you'd want to experience sight. Maybe today you'd want to have life and life to the full, and you'd want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. What I want to do is this, I want to pray with you and then I believe there's a second group of individuals that maybe you're walking through a messy miracle right now. 
you have a relationship with Jesus, you've been following God for a long time, but if you were to be honest, and if we were able to sit down face to face, you tell me a story about something that you're walking through right now. Something that's hard, something that feels messy. Maybe you're going through a season where God's commanding you to walk with mud in your eyes, to walk into unknown, to walk into things that feel difficult. And God in, in this moment is telling you, would you just have faith in me? Would you just have trust that I'm working in the messy moments? So the man went and washed and came back seeing. I wanna pray for every single one of you that are gonna make the decision for salvation as well as every single one of you who are walking through a messy miracle. So thankful that you joined us online. Remember, don't do life alone. Make sure you get connected with Pure Heart. We love you guys. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you that you are a God who sees us. Jesus, in this moment, I pray for the person who's far from you. God, the person that right now in this moment is making the decision to find salvation, to receive the free gift. God, thank you that it's not something that we have to earn, that it's not something that we have to do. God, you've already proved your love for us on the cross. So today, God, we receive that. We thank you for your grace. We repent for all the times that we've done it wrong and try to do it our own way. God, today we receive the free gift of salvation. We recognize you as Savior and as the Son of God. We believe that you really died and that you really were raised again for our benefit. God, we thank you. And I pray for every single person who's walking through a messy miracle right now. God, I pray that they would sense your Holy Spirit, that they would sense your presence as a comforter, as someone who is sending us. God, thank you that you are sending us. God, we won't go any place that you won't first send us. So God, we will go into the messy miracles. We will go into the counseling session. God, we will go into that broken relationship with our son or our daughter. We will go into the brokenness in our marriage. We will go into the brokenness in our home. God, we know that you are working. Thank you that even in the messiest moments, you're moving and you're working. God, we know that you're faithful and we thank you for your goodness. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.